Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm Nicholas Naoti, video producer at iPhone Life. Welcome, Nicholas, everyone, to the show. He is going to co-host this episode with me while David is out on vacation in Colorado camping. Uh, So welcome, Nicholas. Today, he is going to be talking with me about the public beta versions of iOS 14 and iPadOS 14. It became available last week, and so we've had the weekend to have get some hands-on experiences with the beta software, and are going to tell you all about all of the cool new features available to your iPhone and what we think of them, and also go over the pros and cons of getting the public beta for yourself and um, dealing with some of the bugs and glitches that come along with that versus waiting until the fall when the shipping version is available. So it's going to be a fun episode. Before we get into it, though, Nicholas is going to tell us about the sponsor for this episode. Yeah, this episode of the iPhone Life podcast is brought to you by Phone Soap. They have invented this incredible machine, and you can put your phone or wallet or keys inside of it, and it kills any bacteria or viruses in a matter of minutes using UV light. Um, It's medically proven, and it's, uh, it's tested and it works. We used to have one around the office and we loved it. Uh, so check out phone soap and order yours today. It's a very timely product. Um, we've actually had one in our office for years, but definitely, um, this year, the importance of it has become even more, uh, prominent with the pandemic. Next, we want to talk about our daily tip newsletter. A lot of you are already familiar with it. We have a free daily newsletter where we send you an iPhone tip every single morning to your inbox that teaches you something cool you can do with your devices. It's less than a minute investment a day to learn. So if you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, that's where you go to sign up. It's a really good time to sign up too because going into the fall, you'll get a tip every day on how to use iOS 14 and iPad OS 14. So it's probably the most effortless way that you can learn all the new things coming to your iPhone. And so go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips. Yeah, as we're gonna talk about today, there are a ton of updates to iOS 14. There's like hundreds. And um, I'm kind of wishing there was like a bite-sized way to learn a little bit. So I'm gonna be reading the daily newsletter. Yes, I know. Hundreds of things we'll be going over today. It will be like a full day podcast. No. <laughs> uh, we could go really long today, but we'll just, we'll bring you all the highlights. So don't worry. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see what you discovered versus what I did, Nicholas. Because I feel like, yes. you know, as you play with the phone, you learn new little things that maybe they're not in all of the top roundups on other people's websites, but they're the most exciting to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be fun to talk about that. I wanted to tell you all about, um, a tip that I've been really enjoying and that is how to pair a Bluetooth mouse to your iPad. Um, in all my years working at iPhone life, a feature that people have been waiting for, for a really long time is, uh, mouse support and trackpad support for the iPad because Apple has really been marketing the iPad for years as a laptop replacement. But if you don't have that type of control, you can now pair a Bluetooth keyboard and you can type as if you're on a laptop. But if you don't have a mouse, 
it's a huge limitation because you can't, you know, the touch screen isn't always appropriate for desktop class working. So this is kind of a big deal that Apple added mouse support for the iPad. And um, at first they added it a few months ago with in the accessibility settings. It's actually on the iPhone and iPad. Uh, I'm just focusing on the iPad because I think more people will probably use it on their iPad than on their iPhone. But it was put it tucked away in the accessibility settings and there wasn't much customization that you could do. So um, it was sort of half-baked. But now Apple has made it so you can pair a Bluetooth mouse just in your Bluetooth settings. So all you do is turn on your Bluetooth mouse, make sure it's in pairing mode, discovery mode, or follow the instructions basically from your mouse manufacturer. Then on your iPhone or iPad, you open the settings app, go to Bluetooth, and you'll see in the list of devices there, um, you should see your Bluetooth mouse as a possible one to pair. Tap that and it should connect. Um, once you've done that, you can go to, there are two different places that you can customize the experience. You can go to settings, general, trackpad and mouse, and there you'll be able to change things like your tracking speed and natural scrolling so that, you know, whether you're moving your mouse down, whether you go up or down, and that's usually just a personal preference type of thing. And then you can adjust the size of the pointer if you go into settings, accessibility, and then pointer control. And that's also something just to play with and see what creates the most natural experience for you. So I think this is a fun one to try. A lot of us have a Bluetooth mouse we're using for our computer. So just try, try pairing it to your iPad and give it a whirl and see if you like it. Have you tried this, Nicholas? I have. And I also use a trackpad sometimes. Um, I have the Bridge Pro Plus, which is like a keyboard and a, and a trackpad for the iPad. And it works pretty well. And it, it, that way, too, you can use the gestures, like the two-finger swipe and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, uh, in general, I prefer a mouse to a trackpad, but, um, but a trackpad's great, too. I, again, a lot of this stuff, it's just like a personal preference thing. Yeah, I prefer a mouse as well. We all know David loves the trackpad. He does. I also think it is nice with the Bridge Pro Plus that it's just all in one. If you're looking for portable use, you're not really going to want to um, be carrying around a Bluetooth mouse with you and a keyboard. So it's nice to have it all in one. So I do think that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay. So next I wanted to talk about our premium subscription, iPhone Life Insider. Um, this is our premium. You pay for it monthly and you get um, access to all of our educational content and including coming up, we're gonna be teaching an iPad class and an iOS 14 class. And that's gonna be included in your Insider subscription. I don't even know if you knew that, Nicholas. No. <laughs> this is a, a new thing that we're gonna be doing. So um, you get a video version of our daily tip that I told you about. So now you can watch a one minute video along with it and follow along on your device. You get our in-depth guides, which is a series of videos and a downloadable PDF that goes with it on everything from the iPad guide, which we're just coming out with, to iOS 14 guide, which is coming out in the fall. Um, we have a battery guide that Nicholas recently put together that has all the information you need to take care of your battery on your device and to know when it's time to actually replace your battery. 
because that's something people have a ton of questions about. You get a digital version of our magazine and our full archive of over 30 issues of iPhone Life magazine. Uh, Ask an editor, we, which is a feature where you can contact our editors and we'll help you with any of your tech problems you're having. And now classes where you get to interact live with instructors. They'll walk you through lessons um, and teach you in depth how to use uh, any given feature that the class is on. Um, our upcoming class is on the iPad. So that's going to be a lot of fun. If you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you get a special discount off of your subscription price. So I recommend you go and sign up there. And this is really like adding classes is, is really huge. Um, already we have so much value packed into our insider subscription, but this is really taking it to the next level. Once you're signed up, you can attend any of the classes that we offer. Next, I wanted to tell you a question that one of our insiders wrote to us and the answer that Colin, our, one of our writer and producers, gave to them. Because I think that it could be helpful for some of you as well. Okay, so here's the insider said. When I highlight written text on my iPad and iPhone, I sometimes get options to copy and sometimes to cut and sometimes to cut or paste. I'm not sure how to reliably copy a section of text and the option and get the option to cut text. Okay, here's the answer. This is a great question. The cut option only appears if the keyboard is on the screen. It seems arbitrary, but if you open a note in the notes app and select some text immediately, you'll get a pop-up menu that doesn't offer the cut option. If before selecting text, you tap in the text field to place your cursor, the keyboard will pop up. Once the keyboard's visible, if you select the text, then you'll see the cut option. I hope that helps. Cheers, Colin. I thought this was an interesting one because it's like a weird, just little order of operations tip that I didn't even, I wasn't aware of. Were you, yeah. Nicholas? No, I had no idea. I mean, how would you know that? It's not intuitive. It's not. Like there's, I feel like Apple in general does a good job of making a nice user experience, but also has some weird oversights. Like seems like the cut option should be there mm-hmm. even if you don't have the keyboard on there but yeah that would be useful to know if you're doing like heavy text editing on your iPad or something yeah for sure um we have some comments from listeners from the last couple of episodes that I wanted to read out to you all because I think they're relevant um so I'm going to go ahead and do that now Mike wrote in saying, I was bummed to find out that Mac OS Big Sur doesn't support my MacBook Pro. I have a 15-inch early 2013 Retina MacBook Pro and MacBook, and uh, Big Sur only supports MacBook Pro late 2013 or later. I'll have to upgrade to get Mac OS Big Sur. I got my MacBook in November. I suppose I should be grateful it's lasted me so long. So this one was really relevant to me as well because I also have a 2013 MacBook Pro. And besides the fact that I won't be able to update to Mac OS Big Sur, it actually is working surprisingly great. I have um, a lot of, uh, it's a pretty high powered laptop. So it does seem like a shame that I won't be able to get the latest and greatest operating system just because my device is older. So Mike, I definitely feel your pain and I'll be 
I mean, honestly, I don't think I will upgrade my MacBook just to get Big Sur, but it's definitely putting in my mind that over the next few years, I probably will be looking into getting a new laptop. Yeah, I also have a 2013 one as well. I have, I have two, but my my computer for editing music is a, an older one. And I wonder if the music editing software that I use will continue to work over the coming years with this update. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, do you have a late 2013 or early 2013? Like, do you know if you'll be able to get Big Sur? I don't know, actually. I need to look into that. That's important Remind to know. Me drink from yeah. my giant cup of coffee that has a D on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that I was glad Mac wrote, uh, Mike wrote in about that. Uh, here we have some a uh, couple other questions. You guys talked a bit about AR last episode. While I'm pretty tech savvy with the iPhone and iPad, I do not really know what augmented reality is. Can you post a good explanation of what it is and how it could be useful to the average user? Thanks, and I really enjoy your podcasts from Randy. Um, so I really appreciated Randy writing in. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I think augmented reality and virtual reality confuse a lot of people. Um, and so the best way I can explain it, I can post, I'll post a link in our show notes that can tell you more about augmented reality and virtual reality, but also Nicholas and I can talk about it for a minute here. Um, you can find the show notes if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast, by the way. Um, but so virtual reality, that's when you see people wearing these goggles around and they're, you're fully immersed in a virtual world. Um, you're not seeing real life objects in the virtual world. Whereas augmented reality, you, through your phone's camera, you are able to superimpose virtual objects in the real world. So for instance, Pokemon Go is augmented reality and that's, you're, you're looking through your phone's viewfinder and seeing little Pokemon characters running around in the actual environment around you. Our editor, Sarah, is a real power user of Pokemon Go, and she was really upset to find out that you won't be able to use it on the beta of iOS 14. So she either has to give up Pokemon Go or not try the beta. Oh my gosh, that's, yeah, for her, that's a pretty big sacrifice. I haven't gone on a walk with her in a while, but definitely when you do, she's like constantly doing little like twirly things on her phone. <laughs> I've never played Pokemon Go, so I don't know really what she's doing. Yeah, Do so as, as Donna said, it's like you point your camera and you're seeing what your camera is seeing. So you're seeing like the street in front of you or whatever, but you'll also see like a Pokemon on the street. So that's a perfect example of augmented reality where it's your reality, but slightly augmented. Yeah, you know... It's interesting because I think it's really, it seems it's really cutting edge and it's uh, really promising. But I haven't seen any applications of it yet that have felt that practical to me, like something that I would use in my everyday life. Apple um, a while back came out with a measure app um, that allows you you basically like point your camera at things and it will measure it for you. And so they're trying to find some different ways to use augmented reality. Um, But it's not that accurate. That app isn't like you're way better off just getting a Mm. tape measure out. (laughs) 
Yeah, I could see it having some really cool practical uses eventually. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like I'm happy that Apple, Apple talks a lot about augmented reality and how it's the future and how they're investing in it. And I'm glad they are. But I think it's one of those things that sort of in the meantime, might not be that useful to us. Um, yeah. until they kind of get it right. I'm trying to think, I feel like there've been a lot of different things like that with tech companies over the years. I mean, maybe touch ID and facial recognition would be examples where now that the technologies are really perfected, they work really seamlessly, but for a long time, especially touch ID, I used to hate cause it would take, you'd have to like put your thumb on the phone a bunch of different times before it would open it up successfully. So it could be a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, We have one more listener comment that I wanted to read out. Donna, I enjoy your magazine and all you do to help us stay informed. Wonderful. I have, thank you. I have the U S postal service AR app, which allows you to see AR of the first air mail flight in 1918. When you use it with the stamp stamps may be hard to find now, but I think I still have one. I'll send it to you. They came in red and blue and were issued in 2018 for the 100th anniversary of Airmail, along with the USPS AR app. This app is still in the app store. Best wishes, Elizabeth. That's really cool. I want to try out this app and um, I'll have to swing by the office. I've been working from home. If, Elizabeth, you did send me the stamp, I'll have to go in and see see if if it's there waiting for me. But thank you so much. That's really fun. do you, I, I think this, I'd like to add this to the question of the week. I have a question of the week in mind for our public beta testing, but I'll add this as a second one. Um, for listeners, what AR apps are you using and why do you like them? Because this is an example of an AR app that that's like a fun, cool kind of trivia type thing to learn from an app. Um, and I'm curious what else is out there that I don't know about yet. Okay, we're almost ready to get into our main theme of the day and talk about iPad OS and iOS 14. Um, but first, let's talk about our apps and gear for the week. Yeah, so uh, my birthday was a couple of weeks ago. Happy birthday to me. And I, <laughs> my partner, Laura, got me a Fitbit. And I've been using it um, all the time. I love it. It's got me out walking 10,000 steps a day, uh, which I definitely wasn't getting before. If you don't know, 10,000 steps is kind of a lot of steps. Like, I have so many steps. I have to really grind to get 10,000 steps a day. Um, But the app is really awesome. And um, I have a few friends on there. They've introduced this kind of like social element to it so you can challenge your friends to like see how many steps you can get this week and there's this competitive element to it that I'm not really a competitive person but it encourages me to get out there and like get more burn more calories and walk more miles a day so I've been loving the Fitbit Um, the sleep tracking is really cool too it can show you like your sleep quality and exactly how long you were asleep and when you were restless and it's really cool. So that's my piece of gear for the week. I haven't, I I used to wear a Fitbit quite a bit, um, but I never really tried out the sleep features. That's, 
That's cool. And like the nice thing about the Fitbit is its battery life is way longer than the Apple Watch, right? So you could like wear it day and night for a week or something yeah. without charging. Or how long how long does it's the battery a, last? It's about a week. It's maybe five days or so. That's cool. And do you find it like comfortable to wear at night? That's at first it bothered me, but now I don't notice it. It's yeah, right. I felt like the first night I felt like I was handcuffed or something, but uh, it, You're not selling I, it, Nicholas. I know, but now I don't notice it. So once you get past that that handcuffed phase, um, <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Which um, model of the Fitbit is it? This is the, I think it's called the Inspire HR. Um, okay. And it's also, you can pair it with the app and it can track your bike rides. So... Ooh. Um, kind of like Strava or something like that. You can just like link it to your phone and then hop on your bike and ride around town and it'll show you like a GPS map of where you went and how many miles you went and how many calories you burned. And I love that. I was going to say that's good for right now too because I feel like biking is taking off in such a big way during the pandemic as such a mm. great way to, well, be able to like safely social distance and see people and also get some exercise and time outdoors, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. What, what made you choose the Fitbit over the Apple watch? Um, I didn't choose it. I got it for my birthday. Um, and I'm interested to see the differences between the, the Fitbit and the Apple watch. I do like the smaller form. The Apple watch seems big. And does the Apple watch do like BPM tracking? Um, so I agree with you about the look of it. Uh, BPM tracking. What, what's that again? I'm sorry. That's like, I said that in a weird way. That's like music terminology, but does it track your pulse? Yes, it does. So it has a heart rate monitor. Um, and so that will track. It's great for exercise, like tracking your fitness, um, and workouts and things like that. It, I've used both before, and I think the, the biggest difference is I feel like the Fitbit is really just dedicated to like fitness. And it has, it's kind of better for that in certain ways, just because it's smaller, like you said. Um, the battery lasts longer. And if you're not really wanting things like notifications um, and other things kind of like reminding you of your to dos then it's kind of nicer just to have the Fitbit and not not have sort of like a window into your iPhone on your wrist at all times. Sure. But if you want that, if you like my husband, for instance, really likes his Apple watch because he thinks it helps him not look at his iPhone so much mm. and that he's sort of just like addressing whatever needs to be addressed from his wrist and then going back to whatever he's doing and being more present um, whereas he doesn't really use it as much for fitness features, I but, see. um, I mean the Apple watch fitness, it, it is really like the move goals that it sets for you through the Apple watch. I found that to be an effective way to get me to walk more, but it's kind of weird because it's Apple's own sort of made up algorithm of, uh, like it, it has you set a move goal, but it's not like, it doesn't let you just clearly track your steps. Hmm. Which to me, I kind of like with the Fitbit that you just see how many steps you've taken and instead of some 
own system that Apple has come up with itself. So I think it'd probably be cool for you. Like if you at some point want to get an Apple watch and compare, but, um, I think the Fitbit's a great option too. And it's cheaper for listeners. If you're trying to make that decision for yourself, if you're looking for it really just to be more active or like you have a special interest, like sleep tracking or something like that, the Fitbit is a, a cheaper way to kind of put your foot in the door and try that. Mm-hmm. So Donna, what's your app or piece of gear for the week? Okay. So I have a new app I've been trying called we read to, um, in the latest issue of iPhone life, our newest staff writer, Amy Spitzfadden, both who we've been having, she's great. And it's great to have her on the team. She wrote a roundup of apps created by black app developers and uh, Reread 2 is one of those apps. And it's an app that um, it is a directory of books written by people of color. And uh, a lot of them are it's like separated out by age group. And so I have a niece who's two years old um, and she's mixed race. And we live in a pretty white area of the country in Iowa. And I definitely want her to have... Um, grow up reading books and stuff that show characters that look like her and have like positive um, stories and role models and things like that. So I picked out some books for her birthday, for her second birthday using that app. And um, I was, I've been really happy with them. They're like some really great, great options. So we read too. And it's a free app. So that's nice too. Is that the number two or is it spelled out? Uh, T-O-O. Okay. Yeah. That's great. I'll check that out. Cool. Shall we get into the public beta? Yeah, let's talk about iOS 14. Okay. So before we get into the features, let's talk about um, just the pros and cons of getting the public beta. You know, for us, we're really into all of this. And so the excitement of being able to try all of the new features, at least for me, outweighs my reservations about potentially messing up my phone. Um, but some people might be a little more cautious. Um, so yeah, for you, Nicholas, what, how, what are your feelings about putting that on your phone? I had reservations. I've never done this before. So I was a little concerned. Um, and Apple is very clear about telling you like, make sure you do a backup, make sure you know that you're potentially messing up your device. But (laughs) Uh, I haven't seen any stability issues. I haven't seen any crashes. It's worked perfectly fine for me. So I don't know. I can subjectively, I can say that I would just, I would recommend people try it out, but I didn't find any issues with it. Did you find any issues? Did you see any bugs or crashes? No, it's been fine for me. Um, I've noticed like here and there, um, little unfinished features, which we can get into, but, um, nothing that's actually disrupted the way I use my phone. So what I would say is if you, you are someone who is kind of an early adopter and you, you don't want to wait till September to try the new features is, um, do it, but make sure you do do the, that your backup using your computer, actually plugging it in and doing an encrypted backup on your computer. That way, like if anything happens to go wrong, you can always revert to that backup. And what that's going to mean is you will lose any data between when you made that backup. It's 
So let's say like something goes wrong late August, you may have to go back to that backup that you made in July. So you're going to lose any of that data between July and August. So that is a risk, but that's like, as long as you do a backup, that's the big risk. Um, And for me, that's not that big of a risk. Um, It's also only been available for a few days. So maybe we'll see some crashes and bugs in the future. That, yeah, that's very possible. But um, the other thing that can be a pain is just that the beta doesn't always work that well with some of your third-party apps. So for instance, like there's new widget support in your iOS 14 public beta, but the widgets that used to show up in today view now are all showing up all wonky for me. Like they're not formatted correctly. The sides are cut off. And that's just because those third-party apps the app developers haven't updated to work with the beta yet. Hmm. So you're going to see some things like that, but like overall still I can use like Instagram or Facebook or Spotify or whatever, and it works fine, but there just might be some little like rough around the edges things. Hmm. Um, The other thing that some people complain about is that the beta really drains your battery. But have you experienced that? I haven't noticed that, but again, it's only been a, a few days. So I haven't noticed a difference it's, I think mine might be draining a little bit faster, but nothing egregious. Um, so those are the main pros and cons. Go to beta.apple.com if you want to sign up for this. You do that like on the device that you want to download the uh, software on, and it'll give you somewhere to log in and download the um, software profile. But and first, just do your iTunes backup. Just a note, too, that you have to have the most current version of iOS 13 to be able to do that. So you want to go to the settings menu and make sure you've got your software update to the most current operating system before you try the beta out. And I'll, again, in the show notes, I'll link to, we have a blog post that goes through step-by-step exactly what to do to get the beta. Um, And so... That even though we're telling you all of the main things, it's nice to just walk through that before you go ahead and do it. Um, so Nicholas, tell me what your experiences have been. What are Let's talk about iOS 14 first. What have been your impressions? So I think the main flagship changes here have to do mostly with the home screen. Um, and as you mentioned, you can bring the the widgets, they can now coexist with your app icons on the home screen. So you can have the weather app have like a space that would be for app icons and it tells you more about, you can just immediately see the weather without having to go into the app. Um, So I think that's really cool. I think this is a feature that happens that already has existed on Android phones. I've never had an Android phone or used one, but this is something I've heard is that this was something you could already do on those. Okay. So um, in order to get to your widget options, you're going to enter the edit home screen mode, which you do by tapping and holding on an app and then hitting edit home screen. I'll just show that to you. Tapping and holding, and then edit home screen. Then you'll see a plus icon in your upper left corner of your device. And that's where your widgets are. 
So Nicholas and I talked about, it took us a while to figure this out. That's not that obvious, like where to get to the widget, get to the widgets, right? Yeah. I thought it would be in the today view and you can still bring things over from the today view. Um, In case you don't know the today view is the far left most page of the home screen that has widgets on it. And you can drag things over from there, but at least in the beta, they've taken out the edit widgets button that was in the today view at the very bottom. So I was confused about how to add widgets. So this is the today view that um, Nicholas just mentioned. So I can like drag this over. This is the battery widget, which by the way, is a pretty cool one, I think. Um, Ah, so if I drop that there, now I can see just whenever I go to my home screen, my AirPods battery level, my iPhone battery level. And that's, yeah, this like cool. seems seems sort of like a small feature. It's like, oh, cool. You can uh, move your widgets onto your home screen now. Like it's not that big of a deal. But to me, it actually is. Like I think that um, not being able to see it at a glance when you're just staring down at your phone. Like it can over in the today view, you can just completely forget it's there altogether. And yeah, so I never use today view personally. Yeah. Um, I never did either, or I hardly ever did. It would be something I would occasionally remember to do. So now with the widget, it's a little bit more similar to like looking down at your watch face and whatever's on there you actually make use of and see all the time. Um, it's pretty cool. I like this yeah. update a lot. So what, um, what about the app library? Have you, yeah. what do you think of that? So now they've added another page to the rightmost page of the home screen called the app library, where Apple has tried to categorize all of your apps. Um, so you can see kind of like pre-made folders of, for, ex- for instance, like, social media apps, entertainment apps, um, audio apps. And so then they've also kind of arranged them by your use, so how much you use them. I think this is cool. And what I, what I think is extra cool about it is that you can pull apps off your home screen and put them into there. So for apps that you almost never use, this is like a great way you don't have to have like a junk folder anymore. This is a great way to kind of organize them in a more intuitive way. Wait, so you I can think organize the, them yourself here? You can bring apps from your home screen into the app library. So you could drag an app oh. that you don't use very often over into that. Neat. And then look at this too. If you swipe up, from the app library, and now you can go into a mode where you just see all of your apps listed alphabetically. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool too. Let's try this. I'm going to try dragging an app into my app library. Oh, yeah. See, this is fun. I didn't even know I could do that. Um, yeah, so the app library home screen too. So you don't have those, it removes you from the, it removes it from the home screen too. So you don't have those junky apps cluttering up your home screen as much. You can pull them all over there. Cool. Yeah. I'll have to play with that feature more. Cause I, 
the thing I didn't like about it is I don't love Apple organizing my apps for me. Like I want to have control over that or else I'm less likely to use it for the sure. most part. Um, sure. But in general, I was thinking, have I think that Apple's app organization has been pretty limited for so long. So I think in like moving in this direction of giving you more control over how you access and find your apps is a really good thing. Um, Agreed. Um, another really powerful update to the home screen that I, I really loved is that you can now hide entire pages of the home screen. Did you notice that? Yeah. So uh, how, did you, how did you do that? Um, so you go into your edit home screen menu and you'll see this little kind of like, I don't know how to describe down at the bottom there with the dots. Mm-hmm. How would you describe that? <laughs> like a little menu? I don't it's know. It's like a little menu button at the bottom. So you tap that and you can choose which home screens are available to you right now. So for instance, I could imagine if I were in work mode, having a page of apps just for work and hide all the social media so I can be focused. And then maybe when I'm off work, I can cl- I can hide the page of just the work apps. I think it's pretty cool. I like this feature. Yeah, I think it's great because you can always get it from the app library. So like all of your apps will still show up here. True. Um, and anytime you search your apps, you can be, you can find the apps too. So you don't have to have them all show up on, on app screens. It probably makes more sense to just be showing the ones that, um, that you use every day sure. or, or the ones that you want to encourage yourself to use. Like you said, yeah. um, yeah. I went through a period of time where I really was trying to do like a phone detox. And, uh, part of it was, they said like, at least on your main home screen, like only keep your aspirational apps, meaning the apps that you want to encourage yourself to use and hide Mm -hmm. the ones that you don't want to. So this makes it easier to do that too. I tried that as well, but then I find myself just very quickly (laughs) getting into the like mental algorithm of like tap this folder, tap that. And then I'm on Instagram or whatever. Totally. Tyler, my husband did the same. He like hid Instagram, like three home pages over in a folder, and he just was like laughing about how he'd really mastered like this like three finger swipe, and then oh they, yeah, like you get there so oh, fast, yeah. and then you just ignore your home screen that has all of like the, you know, learning apps that you should be using. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we find ways to like find the things that are bad for us, but anyways, um, I. Yeah, I think the biggest, this is the biggest change probably of iOS 14 is all of this app organization stuff and the widgets on the home screen. Um, but also the messages app has a lot of new features yeah. and I've been tell enjoying us favorite, those. Tell us your favorite messages updates. So I like that you can now pin messages to the top of your messages app. I, um, I have a well, few groups. How does texts. that work? Uh, I can show you. Yeah. What What's an instance when you would do that? So now you can see I have pinned two conversations 
Um, I like have my best friend group and then my sisters who I talk to really regularly. And so now they just show up here and it can show you the latest message up there as well. Um, and so in order to do that, you can see, oh no, that's just too, how did I do this? Now I'm forgetting. Um, oh yeah, so you just drag and drop it. That's I was pretty having cool. a moment so, where I forgot. So you're pinning a message thread to the top of the messages app so that you yeah. can. And then I can, can say unpin also, but it's just, yeah, it's a nice way. Um, it's a nice way just to keep your most yeah, important you conversations quickly... at the top. Sure. The other thing you can do now as well is, um, mentions. And this is something I haven't been able to try out that much because no one at the office is, we, we don't have enough people running the beta right now and you need more people. You so you have a group message and you, as if you use someone's name in the message, it will, send a special notification to them. So if you're in a group text where you're getting like a hundred messages a day, you're not going to read them all. But now this allows you, if you like type someone's name, you'll be notified of that. Um, and it's like automatically enabled in your messages settings. If you go into the settings um, app where you can get a special notification for that, you can turn it off if you want, if you don't want to get that, but I would recommend getting it. Um, I'm going to use that a lot because I have like muted group messages, but I do want to know if someone asks me something directly. Sure. That is a cool feature. It makes it a little bit more like social media. Yeah, it's true. Okay. What else? Um, I was going to talk about the new translate app. Um, oh yeah. It allows you to speak and instantly translates your speech into one of, I think, 10 choices of languages. Um, Google Translate kind of already does this, but it works quite well. I tried translating into Spanish and from Spanish to English, and it, the Apple Translate app seems to work really well. And I think anything that helps people communicate across language barriers is an awesome thing. It's cool too, because that's now built into Siri. So you can use Siri to do translations too. Yeah. Speaking um, of Siri, um, the there are a couple other just user interface updates that I think are hugely awesome. And one is that Siri doesn't take up the entire screen now. Um, it's just a little icon down at the bottom indicating that Siri is active. Um, and yeah, what well, it doesn't need to take up the entire screen. So it's like a I, little like ball, like a twirling, like it looks really cool that shows up on the bottom of your screen. I like the um, animation of it. Yeah. But it al allows you to use Siri while continuing to multitask with other things if you want to. Yeah, I really like that as well. Um, I also like that now when incoming calls come in, it also just shows up like a notification at the top of your screen instead Huge. of taking over your whole screen. Huge um, update. I'm such a fan of this. Uh, everybody who's used an iPhone has had the experience where they're like reading an article and then somebody calls and you don't 
want to answer right then and you just sit there for 30 seconds and stare at that screen I know Um, because you don't want to hit decline right away because then (laughs) they know that you ditched their call yeah um I I think the last time I was on the iPhone life podcast that was my my complaint for the week and oh um, really I'm so happy about this update oh I have one I want to tell I a feature that I've complained about for a while is that um, Apple has a bedtime feature, which lets you set basically a sleep schedule for yourself where, look, for instance, Monday through Friday, I try to go to bed around 10 and wake up around 6.30, but I don't want to do that on the weekend. And Apple with Iowa up until now has only given the option to set one sleep schedule. Now you can set multiple sleep schedules. So I set one up for the week and the weekend. And this is the feature that lets you, um, it like sends you an alert to remind you when it's time to get ready for bed. And then it also does the really gradual alarm in the morning. That's like quiet, starts out quiet. And I like these like a million times better than the usual alarms in the alarm app. So I'm really happy now that I can have a weekend and a weekday schedule. And, um, they've added a new feature too, that gives you like a wind down time. Um, so it'll, you can set the amount of time, but it'll remind you to stop using your phone and start getting ready for bed before your bedtime. And like this, I haven't played with it that much because, um, I don't know why, like it's, it's supposed to wind down, can like give you reminders to use certain apps like your Kindle app. Cause reading's good for getting ready for bed or Spotify to like play some restful music or something. But, um, that like, I feel a little bit like I won't use that much. But definitely, I'm happy about the fact that I won't have an alarm going off on the weekends at 6.30 (laughs) a.m. Yes. And also, they have a new, like, there's just, like, little things. Like, when the alarm goes off in the morning, it has a new little button that can let you change your alarm time. So let's say you want to do something longer. You want to sleep in for another half hour instead of just snoozing. You can go ahead and do that from there. Um, Also, like when you go to set your alarms, this was something one of our other writers wanted me to share. It's like little things like you can actually, instead of using that scrolly wheel to set the time for a calendar event or for an alarm or something, you can like now type in the numbers. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Little things like that are nice. I like It's not something really that like Apple is going to unveil as a big feature at one of their conferences because people will be like, that's not innovative, but it actually is really nice. Yeah, I I like that change. I don't really like the uh, the Price is Right wheel for setting my alarm, especially <laughs> if it's like I gotta spin it a lot. Um, I know, also, I hate that. Why? <laughs> you, like, why did they ever do that? It seems like something they like a novelty that they just like really dug in their heels on or something. But um, you I can never also, thought of it as a Price is Right wheel. But you're Um, you can also now set Gmail as your default email client instead of the mail app, which I think is a cool feature and probably something they could have done a long time ago. Um, that you can also set Chrome as your default browser, which you could, I don't think you could do before. Um, it's a good update, especially for people that work in the Google ecosystem. 
Um, I appreciate those little things. There's also a, kind of a seemingly endless list of updates to the Apple native apps. There's like hundreds of updates to the Apple apps, um, but they're all just little things mostly. Um, I know Maps got a huge update. Um, they've added a bunch to that, but I haven't gotten to use that hands-on too much yet. Yeah, I was going to say, with after a few days of use, these were my top favorites so far, but I think in two weeks, we're going to have a lot more hands-on time and should revisit this. David will be back then. Um, it'd be fun to have you back on again, too, if you want to. Yeah, I'd But I think you. now would be a good time to talk about iPadOS 14 because we're running pretty long here. Um, so give people some top hits from that. And yes, remembering that we have more time to like talk about everything we missed today later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so probably the, the main flagship update to iPadOS is a thing called Scribble. And this is an Apple Pencil update which basically allows you to write with the Apple Pencil into any text field and your iPad will theoretically translate it into text. Um, so far, it doesn't have a great success rate with my handwriting. Um, the first time I tried it, it perceived the letter O in the word hello as a zero, which was a weird one. Um, but I found that if I write a little more neatly in lowercase, it does seem to perceive my, my writing as text. Um, so yeah, in any search bar, you can now just use the Apple Pencil and write instead of typing, which is nice because I don't love the keyboard on the iPad. It's a little hard, especially if you don't have a external device. Um, and you'll be, you'll be picking up and putting down your Apple Pencil a lot less. You can keep it in your hand. I think that's pretty cool when it works. It's, I mean, it takes a little longer, though. It takes longer to handwrite things than to type things, doesn't it? It does, but I, that's an interesting point you made that it kind of just, if you're in that mode of using your iPad, if you're handwriting or sketching or whatever, you can just continue to be in that mode and still mm -hmm. use other functions on your iPad. That's kind of what I would imagine is that it's like, it's just kind of more of a like baked into your general iPad use is that you can continue to use your Apple pencil. Cause as it is, I have an Apple pencil and I use it to do proofing for the magazine um, on my iPad, which is great. But Beyond that, I don't use it that much just because, yeah, like I, there's a lot of places you can't use it. Um, yeah. But I did wonder, like, I have horrible handwriting. <laughs> and so I've worried about, like, if it would be able to detect what I'm saying. Um, because it's really appealing that you can handwrite something in and that it just converts it to regular text for you, to typed text for you. But the question yeah. is, does it? <laughs> does it translate what you've written? Yeah. Um, I've had about a 90% success rate so far of it perceiving what I've written, which is pretty good. I imagine that is pretty good. I imagine they're going to keep improving that. Um, another, a small update that I really like is that 
if you just pick up your Apple Pencil and tap it to the screen on the lock screen, it immediately jumps you into the Notes app. Um, so you can just grab your iPad, grab the pencil, and take a note within seconds without even having to unlock your iPad. I love that oh, I feature. Thought that was, what, I thought that was a feature that was already there. Was it? Or is that new to iOS 14? I th- if it was already there, I didn't know. <laughs> okay, we'll have anyway. to look into that. But either yeah. way, it's a cool feature. I think it's an iOS 14 edition, but um, there's also a really cool addition to the Notes app with the I- Apple Pencil. Um, you can handwrite something, and then after you've written it, you can long press on it, and you can copy it as text. So if you're like in a meeting, and you're scribbling down some notes you can tap on it and hold your pencil down for a second and then copy it all as text and then paste it into an email or something Um, that's cool so i think that's pretty cool um you can also they've taken a cue from procreate which is probably my favorite ipad app um you can draw a shape like for instance a square and then hold the pencil in place first for a moment after you've drawn it and you'll get a nice clean version of that shape. Um, that's like vector and perfect and not squiggly. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, I, as I said, most importantly, I think these updates allow you to leave the Apple pencil in your hand rather than constantly picking up and putting it down. And like, it allows me to use the Apple or the uh, iPad keyboard less. I'm not a big fan of the keyboard on the iPad. It's like hard to, it's just hard to make my hands do it. So I like that. Um, They've also made, done some significant uh, improvements on picture in picture mode. You can now watch videos while you're doing anything else. Um, the basically, yeah, you can have like a video playing on YouTube and then enter picture in picture mode, make it any size you want. And then you can be multitasking, working on whatever with this in the foreground, whatever size you want, you can even move it off the screen and still get the audio. So that's pretty cool. The, the only thing is with that, it only seems to work with Safari. Um, I tried it with Netflix and Disney Plus and YouTube, and you don't get, at least with the iOS 14 beta, the thumbnail for the button for picture-in-picture mode is not there. So Yeah, I'm just entering it on my phone because I thought I remember with iOS 14, you can also do it on your phone. Is that, but I don't know if that's true. <laughs> you have to, again, you, you have to do it with Safari. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll be, there, there are definitely some more things to play with um, that we can report back to people on because there's a lot, there's a lot of features. Um, one thing that I remember with iPad OS 14 that Apple talked about at WWDC was um, new sidebars in a lot of oh, Apple's yeah. built-in apps. Is that, how's that been? It seems like they're just trying to make the iPad more Mac-like. Um, and I think that's consistent with them shifting to the silicone processors in the 
in the Mac computers because the iPad has a silicone processor. And so the developers will be building the apps for both. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a sensible change. I haven't noticed too much with the sidebars, but it does seem they're just trying to make it more Mac-like. And so if you already use a Mac computer, um, you you might not even notice this change because it just feels the way Mac computers feel already. It did seem like, because a lot of the iPad features let you like press and hold on something and drag it somewhere else, that it seems like the sidebars were nice. For instance, in the Photos app, you'd have a sidebar that you could gather up some photos and quickly drag it into an album in your sidebar that you wouldn't really have access to otherwise. And so it does make better use of the greater real um, screen real estate that you have on your iPad in that you're able to access more sections of an app um, just from one view. So yeah, I, I think it's kind of like you said, you might not even notice it because you already can do that on your Mac. But so far, you haven't been able to do that on the iPhone and iPad. Um, but yeah, I think that's that we should, if you had, do you have any more features you want to talk about or should we wrap it up for today? No, I don't have any more features. I just was going to say that I think it's interesting that they've packed so many updates into this iOS 14. They do these like yearly updates and it's kind of overwhelming. There's like literally hundreds of updates. and it's just interesting that they do that instead of spreading them out over the year so we can get to know them better. Um, which again, maybe like is the, the real selling point of our daily tips newsletter. Cause like, that's like a bite size chunk of information that can help you get to know these features one minute at a time. Yeah, it's true. I know. I don't know whether they're doing that for our benefit to get us excited about something new every year, or if it's um, better for developers to be able to just update their apps once a year in a bigger way. I don't know. But yeah, it's a good point. It's a lot to learn all at once. Um, But yes, for our question of the week, our second question of the week, write in and let us know um, whether you're planning to or already have the public beta of iPadOS or iOS 14. Um, and let us know why or why not you're getting it and what you think of it. So email podcast at iphonelife.com. And um, in our next episode, we can also tell you about there are more public beta softwares from Apple this year, including for the Apple Watch, for tvOS, and for macOS Big Sur. That's coming out soon, too. So not only will we tell you the features that we missed this time, but we'll also keep telling you about more of the other public betas as well. Um, So stay tuned for that. And thank you so much, Nicholas, for joining and co-hosting today's episode with me. Thanks, Donna. Great to be on. a lot of fun. All right. I will see you in a couple of weeks. Cheers.